0: Good morning, Eastgate Church. How are we doing today? Good. Doing good. Is anybody in here in love with Jesus? Yeah. Hey, are you guys fired up and ready to get into this today? Yes. Oh, I believe you. Hey, let's do this. If you're in love with Jesus, I know we don't do this very often, but how about we all stand up for a second and let's just give God a big shout of praise because He's worthy, right? <laughs> he is so worthy. He is so worthy. Hey everyone joining us online today. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Pastor Josh. I'm lead servant here at Eastgate Church. If you're a guest, you guys can be seated. If you're a guest here, hey, welcome. Welcome home. We hope you feel at home here. That's our goal. So kick your shoes off, relax, and you're one of the family today. I'm so excited to get into this message today. I'm excited about what's going on in general in our church and Somebody called me out a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Josh, you're always excited. Yeah, I'm always excited, man. Every week I get to get up here and preach the word of God and challenge people and watch God change lives and see this church grow and move into who he's called us to be. How can you not be excited when you serve an awesome God? You just can't help but be excited. I'm excited about Elevate tomorrow night. Hey, if you just want to hear a little bit more about our church, what our heartbeat is, and what the vision of this church is, great. A great time to, uh, to come up here and, and hear the heartbeat and the vision and what God is speaking to us and, and get to know the leaders and the staff and pastor on a different level. We're going to hang out and have some fun. You're not committing to anything. Uh, you're just coming to, to learn and grow and be challenged like the rest of us tomorrow night. Childcare, that's awesome. Free food, That's double awesome. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a lot of fun tomorrow night. It's more than just coming up and having a meeting. We're going to have some games, fellowships. It's going to be an awesome time tomorrow. The 4th of July, I can't wait for that. It's National Blow Stuff Up Day in the South. Man, ERs will be full of crazy rednecks that have done damage to themselves after the phrase, hey, y'all watch this. So, (laughs) we'll, we'll... That'll be great. So we'll be praying for them, but we're going to have some fun. Like Pastor Rachel said, it's going to be a shorter service that day, but we're going to have a service. We're going to get into the Word, and then we're going to hang out as a family, and we're going to have some good groceries, hamburgers, some hot dogs, some good sides, some smoked meat. Can I get my meat eaters to give me an amen this morning? Oh, my Lord. Vegans, there will be salad and other stuff that you guys can tear into and have fun with, but, man, there's going to be some good meat. Can't wait. it's going to be a great day. Water slides and bounce houses for the kids. A lot of games for the adults. It's going to be a great hangout time for us as a church. So invite somebody uh, to come and have some fun with us on that day. It's going to be a great day coming up a couple of weeks. We're going to continue this series on the life of Paul. If y'all give me permission, if that's okay, say, that's okay, Pastor. That's okay, Pastor. All right, we're going to get into this today. Man, I love Paul. This has been so encouraging to me looking through and studying his life during this series, because man, this is, you could not stop this guy, Paul. I think if there was a theme over the life of Paul, it was, he, he was like he, he was like the Terminator. He's always coming back. I'll be back. You can stone me. I'll be back. Kick me out. I'll be back. I'll be back. He never stopped doing what God called him to do. And, and he might not have got it right every time. And he had struggles and stuff he wrestled with, you know, but he just kept going and kept going and and I think that's the overall theme and I think maybe today God's telling some people to keep going to keep pressing in, to keep moving forward, to not let life beat you back, to keep moving into who God's called you to be and what God has called you to do and listen, you got a God in heaven that's not looking down on you saying why aren't you doing what I told you to do you got a God in heaven looking down on you saying come on come on, you can do this you can do this. Pick yourself up one more time. You can do this. You can do this. You got a God that's rooting for you and believes in the best that he's put inside of you. Amen. You got a God that loves you. Today, speaking of loving stuff, I love camping. I love camping. I love getting out by a lake or getting out in the woods. And sometimes just getting away from people. Where are my introverts at? Yeah. I love, sometimes it's nice just to get away from the crowds and just... Chill for a little bit and look at a tree and cook some meat over a fire and catch some fish and just relax by the get out in the water get out on the canoe out in the boats have some fun I love camping and I always camp like when I was growing up um, we didn't have a, t- a ton of money we we didn't have that, yeah. we didn't have a ton of money growing up so camping is what we did because it's good cheap fun you know and uh, so we go out to the lake and have some fun even when I was a little kid they take the, the the playpen that I was in and put it out into the lake so that I could play in the water without killing myself because I was a little crazy growing up. Like, I was into everything, so they wanted to make sure they could have some fun and I was going to be safe, you know. But uh, So I've always been out in the woods and camping and stuff like that. I remember one time, uh, I might have been maybe five years old. I wasn't very old, and uh, I escaped from the playpen. I didn't have to go in anymore anymore. We were swimming and playing in the lake, and there was a drop-off in the lake, probably about 30 feet out from the bank, and my dad told me, look, son, don't come out to this place. Stay about where the water's waist because once you get out here, there's a drop-off, and if you're not careful, you'll go under, and you might drown before we can get to you. Yes, sir, you know, uh, but the fear of God in me, so there's, Playing on the floats and doing whatever they were doing. And I just remember thinking, it's so boring playing this close to the shore. I want to go out a little bit further. So I went out a little bit further, and I didn't get yelled at. I was like, okay, maybe I'll go out a little bit further. So I went out a little bit further, and I didn't get yelled at. I said, I'm flying under the radar here. I'm just going to go go I'm a little bit. I want to see where this drop-off is that Daddy was telling me about. I went all the way up. To where I could feel the edge of this drop off. I was like, whoa. And I wasn't getting yelled at. The water was like right up to here on me at the time, And, and uh, okay, this is good. And then, you know, just the, the ground underwater is not exactly the most stable thing. So I'm playing on the edge and it gives way. and I'm underwater, just like that. And. I'm under, I'm five, I can't really swim that good, and it took me by surprise, so I go down, and I'm thinking, this is it, I'm going to drown, just like Daddy said, because I'm out here, and they don't know where I am, and I had just enough air and strength in me to fill the bottom of the, the lake there, and kick back up, and get my head just enough above the water to go, help, before I went back under. And I had my hands stretched up. I was like, somebody. And I was thinking, God, somebody, please, I'm about to die. And my dad came over and grabbed me, pulled me up, and gave me that look that only daddies can give to a kid that's about to die again, you know. I, I almost died in the water, but he was about to beat me within an inch of my life. He almost died twice that day, believe it or not. So he took me back, and I was like, good grief, man. I was so scared. But have you ever gone through life and... Had those times where you felt like you had just stepped out out of a safe place and just went in over your head and water that was just too deep for you to be into. Um, there are times where you feel like that at life. You're just going and doing and going and doing. And sometimes you're testing waters you shouldn't go into. And sometimes you're just going along and the ground breaks out from underneath you and you find yourself over your head in situations and over your head in circumstances. And just like Peter found himself over his head in the water and the storm, when he put, took his eyes off Jesus and put his eyes on what was happening, the Bible says he stopped walking on water and went down. But he cried out to Jesus. And what happens next blows me away. And I know this sounds so churchy, but Peter was going under, and Jesus reached down and. him picked him back up, and Peter found out what I want to remind you of today, that what seems like it's over our head is still under his feet. He's still in control. He's still in control. He's still in control of everything that's happening, and we haven't escaped his eyes. Paul, in this block of Scripture we're going to look at today, is going through one of those seasons, and one of those times in his life where things were just getting to be a little bit too much, and he was getting a little over his head, and it just seemed like one thing after another was happening. And we're going to pick up in the book of Acts, chapter 16, verse 22. It said, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. Ah, oh, the crowd. I love the crowd. I hate the crowd. Yeah, you need to learn to not pay attention to the crowds in your life. Boy, they will turn on you in our heartbeat. Always focus on the individuals, but ignore the crowd The crowd will cheer you on and then boo you on the next play because you didn't do what they thought you should do. You know, always ignored that crowd. And so they they were ganged up on Paul and Silas because they had done something to work up the crowd yet again and then turn the town upside down yet again. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. So this is a great moment of humiliation. Can you imagine being stripped in public? So they were out in public in the marketplace. The whole town was out there. Strip them down. We're going to beat them. And after they had been severely flogged, and this is a Roman controlled city, so like the Jews had a rule where you could only receive so many lashes from a, a whip or so many uh, stripes on your back from a rod. You could only be hit so many times because they wanted to show mercy thought wow, they were almost killing you. But the Romans didn't have that rule. And these are Romans that are beating Paul and Silas. And so when it says that they were severely beaten or severely flogged uh, with these rods, they were beaten within an inch of their lives is what happened. That's what the Romans would do. And so after that, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. They were put in the inner part of the cell. And I want to paint a picture for you before we go much further into this message today. They were just beaten with rods, bruised up, flesh torn, thrown into this prison, their feet put in stocks, locked down so that they had to stay in one position and couldn't move. They were locked by those stocks into the positions they were sitting in. And they were put into the inner part of the cell. And if you know anything about how jails were set up during this day, they were set up in layers. And uh, further in, you got the lower down, you went. And when you were in the, the, the center part or the inner part or the bottom part of the prison, like Paul and Silas were, everything that comes down, from the prisoners up top lands on and near you. So you can imagine the stench that they're dealing with. You can imagine the filth that is randomly falling down on them when they're in this situation. All because they were doing what God had called them to do and they were in a rough situation. Rough situation. Beaten, bruised, covered with that stuff that midnight hour of the day, and I think that's a good phrase to use in this message. I think we all understand what it's like to be kind of at midnight in a season in life, Um, and there are times where you go through rough days and rough weeks, but it's something completely different to be stuck in a rough season that just doesn't seem to end. It's the midnight time in life, and You're praying for the daylight. And that's where they were. And I think we've all been there. I think we've all been there. I I remember a couple of years ago, we were in renovation mode in this building. Y'all remember that? And I don't know if you just kind of flew under the radar this year with everything that's going on. And I don't know if we should celebrate every year, but June is the move-in month. June is our two-year anniversary month for being in this building, guys. Praise God for that. Not praising good if you're going to praise Him. Praise God. We saw all the miracles of the move-in and God providing financially and all the miracles. You know, listen, we went through a pandemic a little over six months after being established in this place, and we made it through. And it turned out to be the most productive year of ministry we've had in over 10 years as a church. Praise God for that. But I remember that season leading into the move-in and all the renovation. I remember how long it was. You ever been through a long season in life? I mean, a long, long season. For me, it started December of the previous year, and we started talking with agents and looking at the building. We had had been looking for a place for us to move and call our own home. Uh, We were renting at the time and spending way too much money on the space that we had and needed to make a wise move. To a facility, and God gave us this. We got 60% more space, 40% cheaper than what we were paying for when we were renting. Praise God for that. Um, but I tell you, as a pastor, I wasn't prepared for what I was about to go through. Um, hadn't been a senior pastor for too long, uh, a little over two years, and we started this building project here after the purchase and all of that. and was already mentally and spiritually in a way, and especially emotionally drained when we started the renovation process. And we didn't have enough money to subcontract out all the projects, so we had people just step up in the church and, and put paint on the walls and drywall and sand stuff and knock down walls, put in flooring and do all the stuff that we did in here. And, and maybe one day soon I'll show you the before and after pictures and we can celebrate that because this place looks nothing like it did uh, when, we, when we moved in here. Uh, but that also meant that with all the stuff that was happening, I was the project manager for the renovation while I was pastor of the church. That had the weekly responsibilities plus responsibilities to not just oversee what was happening here and keep us on track but also still managing the financial um, aspects of what was happening because we would run out of money and then God would miraculously supply us more money uh, from the renovation fund and all of that stuff. And then working uh, 10, 12 t- till Jesus said stop hours of the day up here at the same time while preaching and doing hospital visits and man what I'm saying is this boy was tired yep. yes. I was tired you know what it's like to be tired and a lot man, I was tired and we had gotten down to the last week and I don't know if you guys that were, that were working with us you remember man it seemed like we had so many big projects left to do that last week, um, electrical to finish up. Most of the sanctuary still needed to be finished. There were other projects throughout the building that, that had to be wrapped up because we were having our opening Sunday. It was coming. There was no way to get, get away from that. We'd set the date and we were going to stick to it, whether we were ready or not. And hopefully we were going to be ready. And we were in that crunch time. I we remember walking home, or not walking home, walking out of the building um, early in the week, just finished for the day, and I was. We had just hit it hard, and I was wiped out, I was tired, and I got a phone call from my mother saying that my dad was beginning to have a heart attack, and they were on the way to the hospital, and she just wanted to let me know so that I could pray. Well, you don't just pray, you hop in the car and you go to to the hospital. So dropped everything and jumped in the car and just took off and went to the hospital they got him stable here in town, and we're gonna to need to transfer him to another hospital close by so that they could do what they knew they were going to. stance working on the work. They got in there and looked, and he had three uh, block valves, one being the main one. I call that the, the widow maker. That didn't, it was, it was shut down by like that. I think he got 90, 98% blocked there. So it's a miracle. He was alive, like he was putting in fence posts and the yard two days before that. And now he's on his back in the hospital, and they transfer him, so I take Mom to the hospital, and uh, we're waiting, and, you know, here comes the news. Yeah, you know, we're going to have to do the bypass surgery, and by the time I got everything settled there, and talking to the doctors and translating for Mom because she just had this numb look on her face. You can only imagine, you know, and, um, praying over Dad. Got home, or we finally wrapped up. It was probably about 2 in the morning, and I had to get back home to delegate what was going to be happening here because I knew I was going to be the rest of the week at the hospital, and um, Mom wasn't leaving, so I was going home to get some clothes and stuff for her and to see the family. And I remember walking out of the hospital on the sidewalk and I got about halfway between the exit door of the hospital to the parking garage, and I just remember it just it just hit. So I, I've been able to compartmentalize and set things to the side to be stable for mom and to handle the situation. Just went into take care of it mode, you know. But that moment was over, and the weight of the building, the weight of the ministry, and the weight of the things going on with the people and the church. And then what was happening with dad. It all just hit. And it just took the breath out of me. You ever have life just take the breath out of you? Yes. I'm not just talking, here we go. No, I couldn't catch my breath. And I just gasping for some kind of life. But it wasn't there. It was like under... Just this much water, and I could see the other side, but I couldn't. You know what it's like to, you're there, but you're suffocating under the situation that you're in. All the weight hit at once and couldn't stand it. It It's funny, I started to collapse. I wasn't passing out, it was just the weight of it all. And on top of being so drained, going into it, I stumbled and I fell and I sat down on a bench and, Just sat there. Just numb. Just numb. You know, through enough in life just to be numb. You know, just to be numb. To be hit enough. To to navigate through enough. To to push far enough. To to make it through what you thought was going to be the finish line. Only to see you've got about ten more miles you're going to have to run. And so delegated the projects. And some wonderful people stepped up in the church to make sure that What was happening here or what needed to happen here was still happening. And I was with my family and it was supposed to be the big week, the celebration week. And we were going to praise God for what he had done and the miracles and opening up this facility and watching God change lives on that first Sunday here. And I found myself pushing back the exhaustion again to sit in a waiting room in a hospital while my dad was in surgery writing the message that I was going to preach that Sunday. Fifteen minutes here, ten minutes there, when I wasn't needed, running back and forth. It took me a couple of days to, to get it finished. And Those seasons aren't fun. Those seasons aren't fun. I remember pushing through the week, getting up on Sunday morning, and I had absolutely nothing in the tank. And I walked in and I saw the facility and the work that was done. And I could, it took everything I had just to dig up enough to be excited for all the work that these wonderful people had done. Yeah, you know what it's like to have to just dig up enough to get through yeah. and to push through and to do what you need to do. And it needed to be celebrated. And I remember the walk from the chair to the stage to preach the message. And it seemed like it's only a few steps, but it seemed like it was 20 miles I was just beat. And I got up here. And I will never forget when I put my foot on this stage. For that moment, I felt the weight lift. For that moment, I felt life enter my body. for that moment, I felt alive. And for that moment, I, I knew what had happened. I, I had run out of my own strength, and I would run out of my own ability, and I would stepped into His. And I learned a lesson through that, ser- that, that series of events and, and that season, is so that when you reach the end of your strength, you begin to step into the beginning of His. And He's always got enough to sustain. You know? But that doesn't make those seasons any easier. It doesn't make them any less difficult. And it doesn't take away the questions that you might have. And that wasn't the end of that season either. There were other things that needed to be taken care of. And praise God, my dad made it through the surgery fine. Two years later, he's lost over 100 pounds. I still can't believe it. He's healthy as a 25-year-old man. It's unreal what the guy can do now. And here we are in this facility, and it seems like a lifetime ago. But you know, since then, i found myself in other seasons, being stretched to the limit again and again. And and this is where Paul is in this season of his life. He had just started his ministry not too long before that, gone on his first missionary journey, and he got into the town and started preaching, and they loved him so much, they shouted him down, drug him out of the city, and tried to stone him to death. Welcome to the ministry, Paul. (laughs) Woo! Get ready for that. And it's crazy. The Bible says the believers gathered around him and prayed and he walked right back into that city looked every one of them in the eyes and started preaching again. That is just gangster. Just gangster. (laughs) That's, to me that's just (laughs) just took them all down with a word. Just like I, I think I would have listened to every word that he said that time. I was like, you know what? I thought we I, mean, I thought we killed him. And here you know what I'm gonna to listen to this. Yes, sir. Yep. yep. Okay. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. That that sounds real good. Yeah. <laughs> so so but he left there and he, he went into this great season of ministry. You know, things were changing in the church, big picture in Jerusalem. And Paul was traveling around with this guy named Barnabas, and they were seeing people get saved, and then uh Paul and Barnabas had this falling out. The Bible said there was a sharp disagreement, and they couldn't settle the disagreement, and so they had to split ways. He had a split in his ministry, somewhere between that first missionary journey and where he is now that we're reading. And if you read over that casually, you miss the impact of what's happening because Barnabas was a major person in Paul's life, major. Barnabas was the guy that took Paul in when nobody else would. Because Paul used to be Saul, remember? Saul was killing everybody. He called themselves a Christian. He was throwing them all in jail. So if you were a Christian and you saw Saul coming into town, you went and hid. And now this guy who used to lock everybody up says, hey, Jesus has changed my life. And they're all like, you know... We know you're a pretty smart guy. We think you're trying to pull one over on us, so we'll let you in, and then you can lock us all up. No thank you. We're just going to back off. Barnabas didn't do that. Barnabas recognized the change in Paul, and he said, hey, I think it's real, and here's what I'm going to do for you. Took Paul by his side, and he walked in, and he vouched for Paul when nobody else would. He believed in Paul, When nobody else would. He saw the change and the gifts and the potential. And he said, I'm going to put my name and reputation on the line. And I'm going to tell you what's happened in this guy is real. And you can trust him. He's one of us. If it wasn't for Barnabas, there might not have been the ministry of Paul. Because nobody wanted anything to do with him. Until Barnabas opened that first door. Barnabas was the guy that believed in Paul. And now Paul... And Barnabas are having to split because Barnabas no longer wants to continue with the guy that he used to believe in. Y'all crushing that is to have somebody that used to believe in you, somebody that used to see the potential in you, somebody that was there for you in the beginning turn their back on you and walk away. That's a deep cut. You ever been cut deep like that? That's a deep cut. So, Paul takes a breath, at least in my mind's eye, and moves on with what God has called him to do. He teams up with this guy named Silas, and they start preaching, and people start getting saved. And he says, you know what? I think, I think, I think we're going to be in a great season here. Then a series of events happened that led him to the situation that we just read about at the beginning of the message. And listen, when you're in seasons like this, where things seem to be good and then the rug gets pulled out from underneath you and you think you're getting the breakthrough and then you don't walk through like you thought you would and you walk right into another situation, there's some things that you need to ask yourself to keep yourself mentally and spiritually on track because if you're not careful, the enemy will use the whirlwind of life that you're walking through to distract you and have his way with you so he can destroy you. And so there's some questions that you can ask yourself that'll, that'll help you a whole lot. And The first one is, is this, why am I here? You find yourself in these situations, ask yourself, why am I here? It's an analytical kind of question. Why am I here? What, why am I going through the situation that I'm going through? And here's a the, here's, here's the tough follow-up question to that. Is it my fault? Why am I here? Am I here because of a bad decision that I made? Boy it's so much easier to blame somebody else isn't it Whew. well if they hadn't if they hadn't that then, then, then well I don't have money to pay my house payment thats that stinks I'm broke I know is it your fault let's check out Amazon and <laughs> see what you ordered let's 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 check out the pay-per-view movies let's see how many times you ate out this month instead of eating sandwiches and and all of this stuff sticking to your budget you know is it is it your fault and if it is you got to own it You gotta own it. I don't know how many times I've gone through some rough stuff, man, and I said, you know what, this is this is this one's on me. (laughs) This isn't my friends. This isn't just life, this isn't the devil, this is me. I did this. And sometimes though, you know, other people do put you in those situations and you say, Okay, well this isn't my fault. I can't do anything to control it, so what's my next step gonna be? It kinda helps you evaluate the situation. Why am I here? Is this just something that's happening? Because sometimes Bad things do happen to good people. You know, or, or or is this a legitimate attack of the enemy that's got me in this situation? All of it can come into play. So you ask yourself that question, why am I here? Why am I here? And, and then stop and ask yourself this. What does God want to do in me? What does God want to do in me? Because the Bible says that the God we serve will use every situation of life to prepare us and to grow us into the person that he's called us to be. Now, it doesn't mean that he sent those situations. Now, sometimes, maybe, but most of the time, it's our stuff, it's other people, it's life, and it might be the devil, but but have the wherewithal about you to stop and not get sucked into the situation and say, okay, why am I here? And okay, now that I know why I'm probably here, what does God want to do in me? What is He trying to do? How is He trying to grow me? I can see now he's, he's trying to grow my patience through this situation. I can see now He's trying to show me how to be a better steward of the resources that He's given me in life. This is what God is wanting to show me, what He's wanting to do me. He's using the situation at work where I'm dealing with that person. I have no control over what they're doing and they're trying to make my life a living hell. No control over that. But what is God trying to do in me in this moment? Maybe He's trying to teach me how to love people like He loves people. And how to show that, that unearned, undeserved grace and forgiveness on a whole nother level. Maybe He's trying to do something in us through those seasons. And then you ask yourself, okay... I know I'm here, and I can figure out what God's probably wanting to do in me in this, and so I'm going to allow Him to work in me. Ask yourself, what, God, what, what, what does God want to do for me? What is God doing for me in this situation? Okay, remember what the Bible says. The Bible says that in everything, in everything, God is working for the good of those who love Him. Okay, so God's working, and he's doing stuff not just in us, but for us. What is God doing for me? I know I lost my job, but could it be that I had to lose this job to go through a season to build trust in him because that's what he's doing in me so that he could move me into the new job that he wants me to have? That's what he's doing for me in this situation. To keep our eyes up. Not on ourselves and not on what's happening, but to pay attention to what God might be doing through the season that we're in. And not just through that season, but God may want to do something through you. And that's the last question. You ask, ask, what, what does God want to do through me? What does God want to do through me in this season, through this situation? Not just in me, not just for me, but through me. Maybe he's got me going through what I'm going through so that I have a bridge to reach someone later on in life that I couldn't have reached any other way. Maybe I'm walking through the season right now and, and maybe God didn't see it or send it. Maybe God didn't choose Or will it to happen? Maybe it's just the workings of sin in the world and on somebody else's decision impacting my life. But maybe God can use my response to the situation to show someone else how a mature Christian handles the issues of life. Maybe people can finally see the change that Jesus has made in me by how I handle the stuff that life throws at me. What does he want to do through me to impact the lives of other people in this season or in this situation that I'm in. And that's big stuff to ask, why am I here? What does God want to do in me? What, what is God doing for me? And what does God want to do through me in this situation? Because it forces us to take our eyes off of ourselves. Because the temptation is to throw a huge pity party because life's tough. Because we didn't get the breaks that we wanted. Because things aren't working out the way that we thought they would. Because not everybody loves me the way that I feel like they should. Or somebody doesn't want to be with me anymore when I feel like that. You don't always understand the stuff that's happening. But to put the focus on yourself is to guarantee that you're going to fail in that season of life. So it, it keeps you from getting sucked up in the whirlwind of selfishness and the situation. and You don't have to be that person that says, well, don't be that person. Don't be that person. Well, I would have. I could have. I should have. But it just, it just didn't work out for me. It's not about you. It's about what God wants to do in, for, and through you in those seasons. And if you'll take your eyes off yourself, this is, listen, if you will get this, if you will even halfway apply this when you're going through a tough season of life, it will change everything because it keeps your focus off the situation and off yourself and on God and what He is moving and doing in and through it and for you through the situation. It changes everything. And it'll silence the voice of the enemy. And it's very key, man. It's key to have this because if you don't man you will fall like so many people before you and never live up to the potential that God's put inside of you because you will go in a per just caught up in the whirlwind of life never learning what God wants you to learn and never pushing through and seeing God do the miraculous and never seeing the lives impacted and changed around you that could have been if we would had a different perspective and I think perspective is key in this Paul's in this season where he's going through When I say long season and dark season, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? How many of you say, Pastor Josh, I've been through that long, dark season before? Yeah, you guys at home, probably the same thing. How many of you would say, Pastor Josh, <laughs> thank, thank you so much for preaching on this because I'm in the middle of one of those seasons right now? How many of y'all would say that? Yeah, I know. Listen. We all go through those times in life. And if you're not in one right now, enjoy the break because one is coming, I guarantee you. I'm not trying to be the bad weather man. I just know how life works and how God works. You know, and Paul's caught up in this. And he's gone through all this tough stuff. And they get some momentum and traction in the ministry. And things seem to be going well. And they say, hey, well, let's go on up into Asia, and let's preach up there and see how many people we can reach. And they get moving. in Acts 16, verse 6 says, Paul and his companions travel through the region of Phrygia and Galatia and having been kept, oh, by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. They had a plan and they thought it would be a great move to go up there. And the Holy Spirit said, No, we're not going to let you go up there. We're going to turn you around and change that plan and I want you to go somewhere else. I say, okay, we're going to change our plans and we're going to go somewhere else. You know, sometimes God will close the doors that we want to be open in life. You ever been so sure of something? I know this is God. I prayed and I thought I felt it. Pretty sure. Sometimes we confuse our emotions over that stuff. I know, I know, only to be put in check and find out that that door doesn't need to be open and have God close it on you. And God shift the direction and give you that nudge and say, no, 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 it's not going to work out like you thought it would. You're going to have to trust me and go a different direction. Now, y'all remember that Garth Brooks song? Old. Oh, sometimes I thank God. I'm not going to sing because I want you to stay where you are. <laughs> for unanswered prayers. I love that. So remember when you're talking to the man upstairs, just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered How do I know all that? <laughs> I might have listened to Garth a little bit back in the day. Um, man, I'm grateful for the times that God said no. I'm grateful for those redirects, you know, and, and you got to trust that. You got to trust that God knows better than we do what's going on in life because he's got a 50,000 foot view of the whole thing. All we can see is what's right in front of us. Proverbs 3 gives us a good encouragement. In verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Whew! Lean not on your own understanding. Now, sometimes I think that I can figure everything out on my own. And that I understand things on a level that I really don't. And God says, psst, come here. No, we're not going to do that. That's that's a bad idea. I need you to trust me right now. And don't go with your gut instinct and don't go with what you would do on paper. But I want you to trust me in this season. And step out into this unknown territory that I'm leading you into. Even if it's in the middle of one of the worst seasons of your life. Trust me. Wow. And all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Golly. You know I'm grateful that every time I trust God he never lets me down. He never lets me down. So. Paul and Silas and the crew, they listen to the Holy Spirit. They don't go to Asia. Paul has this vision, this man saying, hey, come down here and preach to us. And so they go to that area and they think, well, we've heard from God. Good things have got to happen. And they get to the area and they start preaching and immediately this young lady named Lydia gets saved and her household gets saved and people are getting saved and God is moving and Paul and Silas and them are preaching through the city and act 16 the story starts to change just a little bit and once they were going to the place of prayer we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future and she earned a great deal of money for her owners by a fortune telling you know slavery and human trafficking is nothing new it's happening then and just as disgusting then as it is now and she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved and she kept this up for many days I love this (laughs) finally Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and he said "Have you ever been in in a place where you just got slapped just annoyed with the situation and the person Enough is enough. Like, if you look at the Greek wording in this, it, it it says that he was worn thin. He was worn out. He had had enough. Mom, you know what I'm talking about. Mommy, 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 mom, 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 mama, 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 mama mommy, mommy, mommy. You know, just like that commercial crazy kids can do that that's where paul was with it just shut up and paul says to the spirit in the name of jesus i command you to come out of her now he spoke to the spirit he was annoyed with the situation and the person but he didn't yell at the girl he spoke to the spirit you know, in the stuff that we go through and the difficulties that we face in life, you cannot forget that there is a spiritual aspect to what is happening in life. Maybe, maybe all of our anger shouldn't go to the boss that's driving us crazy. Maybe we shouldn't let loose on the family member that just will not change. Maybe, maybe the problem is the spirit that's in operation behind the situation and the person. And if we would deal with the spirit and handle it on a spiritual level, instead of trying to handle things in the flesh, we might see a change in the person or in the situation and how it acts. And the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, principalities, and heavenly realms. It's a spiritual battle that we're in first. And it's important for us to recognize that because when we keep our focus on the spiritual And don't get caught up in the carnal. It helps us to maintain the right perspective for what we're going through in life. So we don't fail the test. So we don't not learn what God is teaching us. So that we give God the opportunity to do what he wants to do in the situation and through us. And so he deals with the spirit. In the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. And our owners realized that their hope of making money was gone. Wah, wah. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace to face the authorities. And now we're back to where we started at the beginning of the message. They're there in the marketplace and they get sentenced in this makeshift trial and beaten with rods and thrown into the inner cell of that prison. It's crazy. Crazy. On the tail end of a difficult journey, already been stoned, run out of a town, had a split with someone that helped him get started in ministry to be redirected on this journey, and the plans changed. Now they get to this place where they feel like they're getting traction, only to find themselves again in front of some angry people with bad things happening to them. I wonder if some of the people that hung out with Paul started thinking, hmm, <laughs> we, we hang out with this dude. Bad stuff seems to follow him around. Maybe we need to get a new buddy, you know. Terry, why don't you come on up here? They were chained up in prison. Terry leads our ushers and security team here at the church, and they do a great job, I'm telling you. We're in here safe today. Come on up here, buddy. Um, they're in here safe today because, or we're in here safe today because they watch over us, you know. Um, I think we should show a little bit of appreciation for Terry for what his team do to They do a great job. Terry, I need you to handcuff me. Lock me. He said I've been waiting on this. it out. Yeah. Man, this is bringing back some bad memories. <laughs> the BC days before Christ. Man, oh man. Got my little gift. Yeah, there. All right. Did y'all ever find yourself in this situation? not just in life, not just preaching. Y'all ever been locked up? How many people have been locked up? In the no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Half the hands would go up. Larry's got his arms and his feet up in the air. <laughs> Me, Pastor Josh, I know. I know, I know. What what prison was it where they put the couch in there for you because they knew you'd be back in a couple of days? No, nah. I'm, I'm picking. So they're there, locked up. Well what's crazy is they were doing what God had asked them to do. And done anything wrong. You can get everything right, and life still happens, guys. Okay? It doesn't mean that you did something wrong. Now it can mean you did something wrong, but it doesn't mean that you did something wrong. They listened to the Holy Spirit. They went where he said to go. They did what he said to do. And still the fruit of their labor. Looked like this. Crazy. And they found themselves in the inner part of the prison with the fruit of their labor, with the stuff dripping on them and around them in the stocks around midnight. around midnight those midnight seasons of life where you're saying this is what I get for listening to God this is what I get for not compromising this is what I get for walking away from the temptation this is what I get Putting God first in my finances. This this is what I get. This is the fruit of my labor. This is how God rewards me for listening to Him when nobody else would. This right here. Those midnight seasons. When it's dark. You know, we can see a little too well in here right now. Let's make it a little bit darker in here. Midnight. Midnight. You know, there's going to be seasons in life where it feels like this right now. Where there's no light, there's no guidance. Paul and Silas were in the inner part of this prison in the dark. Now it's in these midnight seasons, these dark seasons of life where the enemy will come to whisper to you and say, you're not enough. You were a fool. You didn't really hear from God. What made you think you could actually make it work this time? They left you because you're worthless. They left you because you're not lovable you're never going to get ahead. You're never going to make it. Those blessings and promises of God are for everybody else but you. And they'll walk away from you just like everybody else did and you'll be just as alone as before because all of this all of this is a sham. Should just not worth it. He'll come to you and whisper in those dark moments and This is where the decisions really matter when you walk through seasons like this. This is why it's important to ask the questions that we went over earlier when you're going through these seasons to make sure that you stay focused because yeah, it gets quiet. Yeah, the enemy whispers, but if you can push all that to the side you can hear the music in the moment and you can feel the Spirit of God beginning to move and begin to understand that maybe there's something else at work and what you're seeing right now is just temporary and there's a God at work behind the scenes working in you and for you and through you in the situation and if you can just keep your eyes on Him that it won't be as dark. And the Bible says that Paul and Silas changed their perspective a little bit. It says about midnight, while it was still dark, it says... In Acts 16, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. They, they began to lift up the Lord in the middle of their sufferings. It doesn't mean that the bruises weren't there on their backs and they weren't bleeding and, and the filth wasn't still on them and around them but in spite of what they were in they chose to put their eyes on God and a psalm came out of them they began to praise God and even though they were in the dark spiritually in that moment a light started to shine you can walk through midnight in the darkest moments of your life and still have the light that you need Where there's no light, Paul and Silas can teach us, (laughs) hey, listen, you can lock me up and lock and throw its worst at me, but there's still going to be a praise in my heart. I still know the God that I serve and what I'm walking through and what I'm dealing with right now might not make sense and it might be difficult and it might not be going the way that I thought that it would. I can still praise the God. I can still praise God. The Jesus that gave everything for me, even if I don't understand this, I trust him and I know that what I see might not make sense, but I know that he is faithful and he won't let me down. They put their focus on him. And that spiritual light began to shine. Listen guys, when you're going through this stuff and you're going through the midnight times of your life and you're going through those difficult seasons when you feel like you're locked up and the change just won't let you go, I want to remind you of a few things. Number one, your victory is an inside job. Your victory is an inside job. The Bible says as a man thinks within himself, so he is. You've got to think You've got to think. You've got to stir up on the inside of you. Just like David encouraged himself and the Lord when everybody else was losing heart. David went to the one place where he knew he would find his strength. And that was the presence of God. Listen, it's an inside job. It's got to come from the inside of you to the outside of you. Because when life squeezes down on you, what's on the inside, just like a sponge, will come to the outside. You've got to have it right on the inside. Paul and Silas began to let that praise out. They begin to put their focus on Him. I know what I'm going through, but the Bible says that I'm a child of the Most High God. The Bible says that He is for me, not against me. The Bible says that I'm above only and not beneath, that I'm more than a conqueror, that no weapon formed against me will prosper. The Bible says that He is working for me right now in the middle of my situation for my good and for my benefit, that He's working in me, that He's working for me, that He's working through me, and I'm not going to take my eyes off of the one who is my deliverer. they got it right. It comes from the inside first. From the inside. Not the outside. Not what's happening to you. Not, not, not these situations. Not these circumstances. This stuff is going to change. This stuff is going to look different. There's going to be another mountaintop, and there's going to be another valley, and there's going to be another mountaintop, and there's going to be another valley. But the one constant and consistent thing in life is that God is with you every step of the way, every step of the way. He never leaves us. He never leaves us. The second thing, the second thing that's important to remember in these seasons in life is that you don't walk alone. You don't walk alone. Listen, guys, the Bible calls us the body of Christ for a reason. We're a family for a reason. We watch each other's backs. One of the biggest mistakes you can make in a season and in a moment like this is to isolate yourself and try to make things happen on your own. Don't cut yourself off from the body of Christ. We need each other. We need to encourage one another. We need to build each other up. We need to lift each other up. We need each other to kick the devil in the teeth when we don't have the strength to ourselves. We need somebody to help us get back up on our feet and continue the journey that God has called us on. Don't walk alone. Here at Eastgate Church, we have a saying, and we say at Eastgate, no one walks alone. Listen, God is always with you, but we need each other. We need each other. So don't isolate yourself. Paul and Silas encouraged one another. They began to pray with one another. They began to sing together in the dark. They learned something. They learned that you can bring his light into midnight. You can bring his light into midnight. Because what they were doing wasn't just contributing to their freedom, it was spreading to everyone that was around them. And here's what's crazy. In, in a moment where they were locked up and were, they were in prison, they found freedom in a moment. I got news for you. You might feel like you're locked up like this, but freedom is in your hands the entire time. The entire time. You had the freedom to choose to invite the presence of God into the situation and lift him up and praise him. And the Bible says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Oh, there is freedom. There is freedom. You can lock me up and you can throw the life at me. But you can't take the song out of my heart. You can't take the praise out of my spirit is where the spirit of the Lord is there. I will praise him and I will walk in his presence even if it's through the valley of the shadow of death. I know that my God will be with me. Uh, it began to it, it, it's amazing when you put your focus on him and you lift up a praise to him even in the darkest moments of life Even have you ever had a season in life where you had to stand in the dark and on blind trust and tenacity lift a praise up to God and say you know what it doesn't matter what I see or don't see it doesn't matter what I feel or don't feel my God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever and I know in him I put my trust. Is there anybody here today that can say, you can stand in the dark right now and begin to lift a praise to the God that's for us and not against us. I want everyone in this place to stand right now and just begin to praise God in the dark. Because this is what you got to do sometimes. You guys watching at home, I know you might have a light on in the room. Listen, you have got to get to the place where you can praise God even if you're in chains, even if you're in the dark, even if you're going through the rough times in life because he is the one that brings the freedom and you gotta know you gotta know he's working in you he's working for you and he's working through you the bible says the other prisoners began to listen to what paul and silas were doing and the light that paul and silas We're experiencing in the presence of God began to transfer out through the prison and the rest of the room began to become lit up with the presence of God. See, there's a spotlight on me now and the room is dark. But when we all begin to praise God, something powerful happens and the lights come back on. The lights come back on the lights come back on. Hey, listen, we need the lights to come back on in our life. Some of you need the lights to come back on in your life. You need the light to come back on in your spirit. You need to come to life again. You've let situations and and people diminish the gift and the passion and the fire of God inside of you. You've walked through a long season and it's called a long season because it's a long season. I get it. I get it. But we serve a God that can more that sustain us more they that wait on the lord shall renew their strength they will mount up on wings like eagles some of y'all need to mount up and rise above your situations and your circumstances you need to rise above it they will run and not be weary They will walk and not faint. He's a God that sustains. He's a God that sustains. He's a God that sustains. Guys, we need to bring his light into midnight. We need to bring his light into midnight. Listen, because it's got more to do than just us. You don't know how many prisoners are around you. You don't know how many prisoners are around you. They need to see that life. They need to see that love. They need to see the freedom in your life regardless of what you're walking through. And when they see it, it changes everything. It changes everything all across this place. I just, regardless of what's going on in your life, let's lift up our hands and let's for the next few moments praise God in the middle of our circumstances, in the middle of life, in the middle of the problem. Maybe you're in a great season. Praise him now because you're going to need the strength to stand in the season that you're going to walk into later. He's worthy. He's worthy. Let's lift up our hands. You guys watching at home, lift up your hands. And let's praise God. Let's praise God and invite His power and His presence and His light into the situations that we're in in life.